This is the Create Love, Create Freedom podcast. My name is Allison Fisher, and on today's episode, I want to talk about something called the differentiation of self. So basically, it's where do I end and where does the other person begin? So self-differentiation initially occurs and begins when a person starts to separate themselves from their family, right? Their family of origin. Now, of course, this doesn't necessarily just happen when they are 18 years old. Um, It can happen at different times for each of us, but it's a very critical process in our own self-development. And it's really that kind of cutting of the apron strings from our families of origin. You know, they have taught us, hopefully, everything that we need um, to really build the life as an independent adult that we really need to do. Um, But sometimes there can be of course, childhood wounds and trauma, chaos, abuse, different kinds of things that really keep us from either being able to uh, move away from our families of origin, learning how to create this self-differentiation in our lives, um, and to really embark on our own journey. So it is growing up but it's not only growing up. It's really determining and figuring out who you are and then really developing your own identity along the way. So this is also where, you know, in, let's say, in an intimate relationship as an adult, this is really where you can maintain your own sense of yourself your your beliefs, your feelings, your emotions, your thoughts, um, your identity, right? The things that you do, you're still an independent being while creating an interdependent relationship. Um, and of course, you know, this is this is also something that we have to learn how to do in our intimate relationships. Um, We have to be able to do these things with our partners, also with our friends, and within our really kind of close community. Now, what I find really interesting is that some of us, you know, for, for some of us, this isn't that difficult of a process because Our parents have been preparing us for this. We grew up in either very stable, very secure kinds of families and homes where, you know, we are able to, you know, our parents have taught us uh, how to fail, how to get back up. Um, They've allowed us to create our own identity within the family. Other kinds of families I see kind of the negative aspects really showing up in terms of, you know, seeing parents who have a very codependent relationship. Uh, Maybe there was codependency as well between the parent and the child. 
Maybe there is also enmeshment that happens. Um, now, of course, that can be so much more than just emotional enmeshment. It can be uh, different kinds of forms of incest. But there is a very difficult, like it's very difficult for the child who becomes the adult to actually develop their own secure identity. Now, what I find really interesting, you know, this is something that has come up for myself in my own childhood. To some degree, I mean, my parents certainly didn't do the worst job, okay, by any means. But I did feel a sense of anxiety, a sense of fear of, you know, kind of going off to college or being the undergraduate. Um, and then kind of struggling to navigate certain parts of life because there was this kind of close connection. Um, but it, at times a very unhealthy one in my childhood home. And again, that really kind of came from the, I would call it the enmeshment a little bit with my dad, but that was mostly because he's very codependent with my mother, but with my mother and, you know, some of her struggles with bipolar uh, disorder, but also borderline personality disorder. I specifically remember, you know, choosing a university that was close so that I could come home pretty often. Um, but also I, I realized very early on that there were issues for her with abandonment. And then she became very emotionally dysregulated. And, you know, this has come up in my own life with a lot of kind of issues with abandonment. Um, a lot of fears of intimacy. I think when we don't really step into a space where we are able to kind of slowly but surely begin to differentiate, um, you know, ourselves from either our families, we also really struggle with, uh, you know, I would say kind of taking life by the lapels, creating the life that we want. And then we also can tend to have a lot of issues within our relationship. So when we think about, again, differentiation of self, this is how much you are able to be with yourself, with your own identity, your own emotions, your own opinions. Even when you're around people, particularly those people that you have a very close bond with, that you, um, you know, if it's with a partner, you've created an intimate sexual relationship with them. And you are still able and capable of very much being your own authentic self. Part of it, I think, is because you've gone down those journeys, those pathways, and you have really discovered who you are. You've really grappled with who you are. And, you know, just because we do not get this necessarily in childhood, or maybe it was a little dysregulated, because that's kind of how I feel how my childhood was, it was a little dysregulated. And from that space, I kind of feel like I was a little bit of a late bloomer. Um, I particularly struggled quite a bit in my 20s. Um, you know, I wanted to create a life for myself but I also wanted to be saved. 
And I think that when we aren't able to, when we aren't able to differentiate and self-actualize, we can really struggle until we kind of realize, oh, there are some things that, you know, I really need to, um, I really need to take control of, I guess I would say, or also, um, kind of really take the reins on, you know, it's not necessarily controlling it in a very forceful way, but it's saying, okay, I need to relook at some of these things in my life. Some patterns are coming up. Some wounds keep showing themselves. Some triggers keep popping up for me. And I think that this is, you know, really, really interesting really interesting to pay attention to. And, you know, when we, when we think about dis, um, uh, differentiation, um, we consider a wide range of emotions that we very well may have access to, right? Um, you know, this could be things like sadness, loneliness, um, anger, frustration, bitterness, rage, uh, lust, jealousy. And when we have these very strong emotions, they can really override, you know, our behaviors, our thoughts, our actions. And so the higher the level of differentiation in our life, the higher the ability to acknowledge these feelings without becoming misguided by them. So instead of allowing these feelings to really just kind of lead us wherever, wherever we go, right? We are, the, the more we can differentiate ourselves and be kind of that authentic, true self and really show up in the world, um, you know, maintain our own sense of self, our own identity, really cultivate that identity for ourselves. Then what happens is that we are able to acknowledge our feelings rather than just kind of be letting, uh, being led around by them. Um, and I also find it really interesting that, you know, cause I spoke a little bit about codependency, um, in a highly differentiated relationship, whether that is with a parent, whether that is in a friendship, but certainly our intimate relationships, you don't find codependency there. Instead, you find the relationship that's really built on interdependence. So one partner isn't kind of either filling in for the other partner. One partner isn't necessarily dominating the other partner, right? Uh, one partner isn't um, playing small where the other person or partner, you know, is able to speak their needs. Um, you know, both people are able to do so. And it's also, I think, really important in our intimate relationships to identify um, whether or not the person that we're with also is dif differentiated in terms of their self, like the self. And, you know, when we look at a differentiated partnership, this is two very strong, very 
secure, very solid people who have their own thoughts, their own opinions, their own beliefs, their own feelings, their own emotions. They own those, but they are also able to appreciate the differences that their partners bring, some of the similarities as well, right? Similarities of values. Um, But they can also really allow their partner to be exactly who they are. They're not trying to change their partner. They chose them exactly as they are. And I think that that's a really special kind of space because when we choose someone and when we like and love someone for exactly who they are, most likely and often they are also doing the same for us. So instead of each of us stifling each other in the relationship or one person kind of bringing the other partner down, Both people are really able to highly support the other one. There is mutual appreciation. There is friendship. There is certainly conflict, but there is understanding things from the other person's perspective because they have differentiated, you know, either early on or they've learned how to do so as an adult because they saw maybe, you know, maybe a little need there to you know, uh, maybe change or reparent a few things in their life. But what I found is that people who are high on the self-differentiation, you know, kind of spectrum, these are also people who have developed a very deep sense of self-worth. They love who they are. They see their shortcomings. They see their strengths. They see their weaknesses. Um, But they also, you know, work to heal a lot of aspects of their life where they need to do so. And at the end of the day, they see themselves as deeply valuable. They know their value and their worth. So it's much harder for them to get into a codependent relationship. And again, this is something that's very important as we are choosing partners so that we are with someone who is more than just mature, I would say that this is the partner who has reached either their divine masculine or their divine feminine. They hold their own sense of identity. They don't simply people please, right? They have a strong set of boundaries, not only for you, but for themselves. They live by a code principles. They don't lie to themselves. They honor their word. And I think that this is a really very beautiful place to be and to be able to step into or even to be able to, um, I guess, aspire to, right? Because even in my 20s, I I really, for me, it really showed up in kind of the place that I really wanted to be the good girl. I wanted my parents to be very proud of me. And I asked their opinion about almost everything because I didn't feel very confident in going after the things that I wanted in life. And again, this very much showed 
up in my relationships. Funny enough, actually, the first two relationships I had, one in college, um, one, you know, in my 20s in Peace Corps, they were actually with two securely attached men. And yes, these men had their own insecurities and those things, but it was after both of those, obviously, uh, each of those relationships ended one, then the next. Um, then I was really trying to go out into the world and find a place for myself, um, create some success, um, you know, create a lot of knowledge. Uh, you know, I'm a deeply curious person. And what I found was there were a few wounds. There were a few things that were, to be perfectly honest, lacking that I didn't have access to. And so I just really felt like I was on this continual hamster wheel. Like I knew that I wanted something different, but I didn't know how to get it. And funny enough, it was one bad boyfriend where you're kind of pulled backwards like a bow and arrow. You really have to, I consider the pulling back, the kind of going into the underworld of my own psyche. And I also realized that, you know, even at that time, I was asking my parents for permission for a lot of things. You know, and and then I was in my early 30s and I said, wait a minute. Okay, I don't have a very strong self-identity where I do, but I, I kind of, I need to kind of excavate it a bit, right? I need to dig in there, uh, you know, dig into the underworld of my own psyche, really go internal for a little bit and figure that out. And frankly, that's mostly what I had done through, you know, the, my early to, um, you know, all the way up until, uh, you know, kind of my, my mid to late thirties. It took me a little while to, to do that, to kind of figure that out. And I had to look at things again, two kinds of ways. One was, you know, one was internal and one was external. So when we think of the internal kind of side, how a person separates and makes distinctions between their emotions and their thoughts. Um, is part of that differentiation. So again, emotions and thoughts. You know, recognizing that just because you're feeling some type of way doesn't mean that you either have to act on it or that for me, it was always getting lost in ruminating thoughts because of my feelings. And for me being able to differentiate and know the difference between my thoughts and my feelings um, you know, was also knowing when I was really out of balance. It was also partly understanding my nervous system, right? When I was in that heightened nervous system state. But also one of the biggest things that really helped me was to realize that I do not have to believe everything I think, and I do not have to believe everything I feel. These things can come up for me in the moment, And then I can decide not to attach my identity to it. My identity is something different. And, you know, meditation certainly helped. Um, I use the Calm app. Um, But so did reading the four agreements and the fifth agreement. 
um, that was really helpful for me when I was really trying to, you know, understand who I was, really trying to, uh, you know, figure those things out. And, you know, I think that it's such a beautiful and important process. It can definitely be a difficult process, especially if we kind of feel like we didn't get it, you know, kind of earlier on. Um, Another book for me that was really very helpful was Many Lives, Many Masters. Um, You know, that, that really helped me understand kind of the, the therapeutic space, but also, you know, the psychology, whatnot. Um, several uh, books by Robert Johnson were very helpful. Um, there was one about like discovering the inner gold. And, you know, those books really helped me understand and, and learn how to differentiate myself. So one of those books by Robert Johnson was Owning Your Shadow. So understanding the dark side of your psyche. And then another one was called Inner Work. Um, That one was a little bit more dense. It was more about like kind of a dream space. But, um, you know, again, another book was uh, Inner Gold, Understanding Psychological Projection. And so for me, what this really did was, you know, doing the internal work, it helped me separate the things like kind of the indoctrination that I had, right? As a child, um, you know, growing up, uh, the church, not that those were bad things necessarily, but I still had to pick and choose what I wanted from my life. And again, this is a very beautiful process that we can go through. It is sometimes extremely difficult and hard and painful, um, but that is definitely something uh, to really pay attention to as well. So then there was the external space. And this is how a person separates and distinguishes their emotions and thoughts from others from the emotions, the thoughts, the beliefs, uh, the truths of others. So it's how you maintain your feelings. Um, even when like the very significant people in your life are, you know, either have a different opinion, a different value, whatnot. Um, how much, Basically, I guess it really kind of comes down to, are they allowed to be who they are and you are allowed to be who you are? Uh, One of the things that actually came up for me just a few years ago was, you know, again, with my parents and, you know, some of the codependents in their relationship. um, I have thought for a while that one or both of them would probably do better if they were no longer in a relationship together due to, you know, some of the stuff that they go through. And it seems like it's always on, you know, kind of a a yearly cycle. And here's the thing, though, is, you know, my father is someone who very much believes that 
He made a vow. He made a choice. And he is someone who is a relationship person. He is someone who sees himself in the role of the married man. And, you know, I have told him multiple times before, I don't have to agree with your choices. I can still support you anyway. I can still love and support you regardless of, you know, what you should do, whatever. And then I think the other thing for me is often, is it really my place to have or or to judge certain kinds of situations? It's also not my life. I can still love and support a person and not always agree with how they go about things. And this was a very big, you know, kind of space and stepping forward into that, you know, um, differentiation. So when we look at a person who is very self-differentiated, um, and maybe they even come from that very dysfunctional, very toxic, uh, very maladaptive family. This is the person, you know, when they have done this kind of high level of uh, differentiation of the self. This is someone who has a strong sense of confidence. Now, I believe that confidence is very much a byproduct of our self-worth, how we choose to see ourselves. But this is also someone who has a lot of self-awareness. They are paying attention to some of the patterns, the wounds that are showing up for them. Uh, These are also people who live based upon their values and things through their own lens. And they're okay with that person showing up, you know, the, the way that they need to. And it doesn't have to affect them so much. So let's look at the differentiation of self again in relationships. So it's so fascinating to me that so much stems from our childhood homes. Now, if if we were in, like, again, that toxic, that maladaptive home as children, we can learn how to make changes as adults. Um, you know, it's so fascinating to me that we're born so reliant on our caregivers and the emotional nourishment they give. Um, you know, our state of mind, not only as little children is based upon that environment, that uh, ability to have a connection with that, you know, with our primary caregivers, with our mom and our dad, but also, you know, um, it, it can, when, when we have these, when, and when we come from maladaptive kinds of homes, it can take us longer to determine that, you know, we didn't really differentiate ourselves, maybe the way that we really should have in our childhoods. And I think even sometimes when we come from very secure homes, There are still little things, little beliefs, little indoctrinations that, you know, we really have to rethink at some point. We really have to really take into 
account and say, wait a minute, is this something I was just taught or is this actually something that I believe? And what I find interesting is that differentiation, again, is really maintaining individuality within this kind of building, this kind of structure, this kind of house of intimacy that we try to create with our partner, uh, with, you know, our husband, our wife. And what is really interesting to me is that when we can really create high level, you know, marriages or partnerships, we learned how to differentiate outside of the relationship. So we learned either because we came from a home that, you know, had a lot of toxicity, uh, a lot of trauma and wounds, and we had we learned how to do so as adults, but we did so outside of the relationship before we got into that relationship. Or whether or not, you know, we kind of came from from families that taught us how to do that, encouraged us to build our own identity. And again, what I find really interesting is that when we are actually in this kind of space of, you know, being, quote, highly differentiated individuals, we did it independently outside of the relationship before we got into the relationship. Um. What's interesting as well is if we don't learn how to differentiate ourselves, then we will continue to maintain that, um, I guess, fairly destructive pattern, um, that self-limiting pattern into the next generation and the following one, where, of course, the reverse is true, where either if we kind of break the chains, right, in adulthood, whatnot, because we realized we came from a home that, you know, had some issues, had some things where we had to relearn a few things or reparent, then we will also take that into, you know, our homes in the future and provide that for our children. We will help them become the kinds of of, uh, children and kids who are highly differentiated. They know who they are. They love who they are. They have their own values and beliefs and identity. And it's often really interesting to me because I often wonder how many people who have come from, quote, like secure families and healthy families of origin, how many of those adults in those families actually came from homes where it was toxic, it was unhealthy, it was abusive, it was, um, you know, emotionally, uh, there was a lot of emotional insecurity. And they decided to make the change. I find that really fascinating, you know, just kind of thinking about that, especially as someone, you know, myself personally, I would love to be a parent. Uh, whether that's adopting a child in the future or whether or not, you know, I find a partner um, and then I'm able to, I'm able to really step into a space where, you know, I can still, you know, have a child, whatnot. But because I've been able to see some of the 
the, the things that have come up. Um, some of the things that I want to change then, and, and I've repatterned them, you know, and then I'm trying to create something that's much healthier. So anyway, just as a little side note, that tends to be something that uh, dominates my brain a little bit. So when we look at, let, let's look at some characteristics of some, I guess, some signs of people who are differentiated. So if, if we're looking to kind of say, hey, am I that kind of person or do I have some areas where I need to really keep working? on myself. Um, I did uh, quite a bit of research on this and I found a couple of different options, um, you know, kind of compiling them from either studies or from, you know, different kinds of websites and uh, pretty reputable websites. I try to pick the most reputable. Um, but one is a solid sense of self. So when we can kind of consider ourselves a fairly differentiated person, maybe even a highly differentiated person, we can maintain our sense of self in a wide variety of relationships. We don't feel the need to, you know, again, people please, um, you know, give away all parts of ourself, conform to this one identity that is given to us. Um, this is an indicator. Uh, we're, we're able to stand firm, not that we are, you know, trying to say I'm right and you're wrong, but we are able to hold our sense of identity, I think as well, especially in conflict. This is really a space where we do have a solid sense of self. I have a feeling as well, if we're these highly individual um, differentiated people, also uh, individualized people, um, we are choosing most likely better relationships where the conflict is, you know, kind of learning about each other's conflict style, and then also really honoring that. So we're not, we're not tearing down the person. We're looking at the problem, the issue, the feelings behind that, but we're not attacking the person. Another, I guess, kind of key point that came up over much of my research was also when we're able to soothe ourselves. So in kind of the parenting world, um, we often talk a lot about, well, the baby needs to, or the child needs to learn how to self-soothe. Now there's a lot of, you know, different, uh, differentiating, uh, different opinions on that. But what I find really interesting is that when we become adults, we, and we are very differentiated people. And, and I can tell this, uh, I can see this in my own life, right? I first created, you know, a very different kind of identity, um, am able to maintain my sense of self, but now I'm also able to soothe myself. I don't need, uh, now it is important to do some self, uh, to do some regulation with other people, right? But first, I have worked on soothing myself. So let's say someone cuts me off or there's some sort of issue at work. 
I may call up a friend. I may talk with my partner about that. But first, I am learning how to soothe myself. I am not only relying on my partner. I am not relying on unhealthy coping mechanisms, right? Uh, For me in general, I try to maintain very good healthy habits so that you know, I'm just in a better emotional state. And again, uh, lots of less stress. Therefore, I'm actually able to self-soothe better. But there are times when, you know, um, we can kind of be in a bit of a heightened nervous system state. How do we go about releasing that? How do we go about, you know, kind of uh, being able to turn the volume down on that? And to me, one of the ways is having some really good, healthy habits that I don't always need to do, you know, with a partner. Uh, You know, one of those for me is exercise, getting out in nature, going for that walk, right? Um, Other times it's doing a little bit of breath work. It's reminding myself, okay, hold on this person, this thought, this issue, this problem, it's taking up rent, like it's not paying rent, but it's taking up space in my brain. And, you know, so I I work on that. I manage that so that I'm not struggling to get good sleep. Um, and, and here's the thing is it's really calming. It's learning how to calm a lot of our own anxieties. It's learning how to stay very present. I will often internally talk to myself and say, okay, calm down, you know, take a deep breath. Let's feel the feelings. Let's not push them down, the emotions, the feelings, but also not, let's not explode in anger. And what it does is it allows me to really soothe myself Another thing as well that has come up a lot has been delayed gratification and really understanding that people who are highly differentiated, they are willing to take some some risk. Um, They're also willing to step into spaces where they feel some discomfort So, and and I think that this is such an important aspect to think about, um, because certainly we all know those kinds of people, maybe we have been those kinds of people um, who really struggle with anything uncomfortable. And I don't know about you, but for me, I have found that life is often fairly uncomfortable. Um, Sometimes it's just a two by four in the face. Uh, There are days Um, Yet at the same time, I really feel like when we can endure short-term pain so that we get the life in the long-term that we really want, whether that's, again, you know, something such as exercising, right, every day, Um, but it could also be really diving deep into who we are. Um, certainly one of my areas of self-care is diving deep into my shadow side, um, diving deep into the triggers that I have, working through them in a constructive way. And I feel the pain of it in the short term. 
Um, but what I'm really interested in is the long-term growth. And, you know, what, what's really interesting to me about this is that instead of trying to get rid of the discomfort in the moment, we really kind of embrace it. I like to think about it as almost surrendering to it. Um, you know, think about, you know, when you maybe you're in the ocean or something or there are waves and you can fight against the wave or sometimes you can just kind of surrender to floating. You know, that kind of stillness um, where you're not trying to kind of constantly fight this uphill battle in order to really kind of get what you want in the end, whether it's personal growth, relationship growth. And I think that when people aren't willing to give up what they want right now for what they really want in the future, then they really kind of stay in these lives where they're very unfulfilled Um, There's a lot of the status quo. They feel very stagnant, very much in a rut. Rather than saying, you know what, I'm going to push myself a little bit. Um, Obviously, this podcast episode is coming out in um, early February. Uh, That being said, I am actually recording it on December 31st. I am, I'm usually uh, about 12 episodes ahead, if not more, Um, sometimes more. Uh, But you know, I have been spending at least the last two weeks, two or three weeks, but I've been planning out some of the things that I want to do, of course, for the new year. Now, here's the interesting thing is I am building on habits that I have solid. They are solid habits. And I have had most of these habits for over 15 years. Um, now I always look, I always do a bit of a a life audit to look at things, but one of the other things that I always do, I try to choose, sometimes it's unrealistic to do it every single month when it's a bigger thing. But one of the things that I try to do is every quarter really step outside of my comfort zone. I'm not just talking like the little thing, but for me, it's really pushing myself in a, you know, um, in maybe in a Spartan race. I was thinking about doing that, like really stepping out in a space of discomfort. And I have found in order to train myself to not just tolerate, but to relish in, to desire short-term pain, because I know what I'm getting on the other side. A lot of times for me, I also do the physical kind of thing. I really push myself. Uh, There was a woman who was a guest on the podcast. She was actually my first guest. Um, She just ran a marathon in, I believe it was Dallas. And I'm so deeply proud of her because not only did she train for that, but the way that you feel about yourself it stays with you, this kind of high almost, right? It's not a substance high. It is you conquering or achieving or sometimes even failing at something that, you know, was very much outside of your comfort zone. I think that that's very important. Another way that I also do this is um, by going skydiving. So I have found that it really helps me reset my brain a lot. 
And funny enough, the the person who initially mentioned something about it, uh, he has a podcast. His name is Andy Stumpf. And he is a retired Navy SEAL. Um, but he also has like, I think it's like thousands of, maybe it's more than that, maybe tens of thousands of, you know, like airplane um, shoot kind of, you know, uh, canopy deployment, right? Um, so skydiving, but he also did a lot of wingsuit diving. And he, you know, was talking on the podcast once, I think he was talking about Switzerland, but he's like, you know, we went, um, and, you know, one, two, maybe three jumps, you know, a few jumps, whatever, would reset him for two, three months at a time. Like, anything is possible. And now, obviously, that's a bit scary, right? To that's really stepping outside of your comfort zone. Like you literally have to step outside of an airplane. But I find that that is a really interesting space when it comes to, you know, finding ways to kind of be that highly differentiated person, ways to really notice that in yourself and also achieve that. Um, if you haven't ever read, and some people are going to be like, Alison, CrossFit is ridiculous. I think CrossFit is amazing. I don't only do CrossFit. I actually do the programming by Marcus Philly. You can look him up on Instagram. He's got like almost a million people following him. Not that that's the biggest deal, but he puts together so much really great knowledge. He was a former CrossFit Games athlete. And, you know, now does, he calls it instead of functional fitness, it's functional bodybuilding. So, you know, we're using a lot of the smaller muscles, we're not only doing thrusters and pull ups, you know what I mean? So anyway, um, because I find it fascinating that, you know, uh, people in the CrossFit communities or the small town kind of CrossFit box, they will focus on only the movement some, sometimes, not always, but sometimes. I've noticed this um, in, you know, the, the CrossFit box that I left was that they would really focus in on the kinds of things that they would do with the CrossFit Games. And let me tell you this, actual CrossFit Games athletes train a whole heck of a lot more than just that. But there was an excellent book. Um, it was called... Uh, Chasing Excellence, I believe. And it was written by Ben Bergeron. And he talked a lot about delayed gratification and also this um, short-term pain for long-term growth or long-term gain. You have to deny yourself what you want right now for what you really want in the future. It's kind of that thing when you're going revamping your finances. Well, but I really want to buy that, you know, whatever that is. Uh, that cashmere sweater, that new sofa, that whatever it is. But what I really want is by the time I am X years old to have complete financial autonomy, to never really be reliant on anyone else. And I will have the ability to buy that three times over. That's actually uh, something that Jay-Z said. I believe it was Jay-Z. If you can't buy that thing three times over, you can't afford it. I love that. Um, when it comes to some other kinds of like characteristics of people who are very self-differentiated, um, one is also when we are able to validate ourselves. 
So, so often we seek validation from other people. And here's the thing is that very much repels, neediness repels, uh, whether it's in relationships. And, and then it also teaches ourselves that we need other people to tell us how great we are. And not just how great we are, but that we're important, that we are special, that we are worthy that we are valuable, that we're worthy of love and time and attention and respect. And, you know, this, this also could be based upon our looks. This could be based upon who we are as people. This could also be educational, right? How smart we are, whatever. But someone who is very, very dependent on external validation really struggles to differentiate themselves, really struggles to create and form their own self-identity and self-worth. And the person who validates themselves and, and appreciates the validation of others. I mean, it's, it is an important part of our relationships, right? And our intimate relationships. And it's a beautiful thing that we can offer. But when we are not dependent on others for our sense of self-worth, we operate in this space where we can have deep gratitude and it not be, you know, either leaving us filled up or completely depleted when either someone validates us or does not validate us. And here's the other thing is that when we when we are very differentiated self differentiated and we receive validation from others it actually comes from a place where we are authentic we are our true selves and so that validation does feel very good you know well thank you so much i really appreciate that that really means a lot to me that you said that or that you showed me that, that you validated me in that way. Oh, it feels great, but it first has to come from ourselves. Otherwise, we will always be in a place of deficit. And here's the other thing is, we also need to understand that we're not always going to get validation from other people. We're not always going to get their approval. And we and the person who is very self-differentiated, they don't need it. And they're okay not getting it from anyone but themselves. And I think that that is, that is a really important place to be. So obviously we've looked at, you know, what self-differentiation is, you know, internal, external kind of um, attributes. Um, you know, we, we've looked at some of these different things, uh, the different characteristics, if we are fairly differentiated, but I find that there are a lot of byproducts. Um, there are a lot of really good things that happen in our lives when we have our own strong sense of self-identity. And, you know, one of those, of course, is we can create really deep partnerships, really loving partnerships where the person that we're with loves us for who we are and we love the person for who they are. We also have developed this deep sense of self-worth and out of that, a deep sense of confidence. 
which is incredibly sexy. Um, we have also developed the ability to go after our goals and make them happen. We are able to have this kind of self-possession, really grab life by the lapels and again, create the life we want. Um, create, you know, the yes, success, but also cultivate the purpose that, you know, our own sense of self purpose. Um, and again, the more that we, the more it's kind of like that kind of snowball effect, the more that we keep rolling down that hill, right? Where we are, we, we build upon when we have self-differentiated, we really build upon these really wonderful, positive attributes that come out of it. And then it just continues to get bigger and better and more wonderful in our life. Um, and I think that that is, you know, really one of the, the beautiful things about uh, you know, about differentiating ourselves. We don't ever have to chase anyone. We don't ever have to try to conform to what society says. We don't have to compare ourselves to anyone else. We don't have to compete for time or attention or affection because we can't give it to ourselves. Um, and, you know, at this point, at least in my life, for me, it's really interesting because... If, because I'm in this space where I am single and I very much believe that my value has done nothing but go up. So I am much more valuable now at 40 than I was when I was 20, both to a man, but also to myself. And so here's the thing is because there's been this high level of, you know, um, you know, I would say, the self-differentiation, I am also okay walking away from anything that isn't meant for me. So if someone treats me in a way that I don't appreciate, you know, whether that's going out on a date or whatever, I know that I am going to be okay whether it happens or, you know, whether I ever get married or whether I don't. Even though society will often tell me that something is missing and that I am defective or deficient because I am not married or I am not partnered with someone. And I think that this also creates a lot of deep freedom. Freedom to be exactly who we are when we know who we are, when we, you know, understand that we are an individual, that we yeah, that, that we're just okay how we are. We I, There's nothing I need to change. I mean, certainly grow, but there's nothing I really need to change. And this really comes from, um, you know, differentiating myself and being able to really regulate my emotions, you know, make wise decisions based upon my values, increase the knowledge that I have. And, you know, uh, when I feel, you know, when I have those times of, 
anxiety or whatever, I can, you know, self-soothe and do all of that. And, and therefore, I'm really able to create the kind of life that I want. So consider this. Um, consider consider kind of where you are either within, you know, kind of uh, yourself, both your internal and your external environment, but also, you know, are you able to really distinguish between the thoughts and feelings, um, you know, uh, the emotions that you have, are they yours or are you trying to kind of either play a role or you're so deeply tied to your partner that, you really just do what they do, or you know, you don't have this strong sense of identity. I think it's really important to really dive deep and look at that. So it's interesting. With this topic, I'm actually thinking about adding this in a different way, going a lot deeper, whatnot, in our members club. But I have created something called the Create Love Freedom Members Club, and it is a community of women where we believe that we are our own best self healers. And so I've really created this platform using um, a lovely app called Mighty Networks to bring you a new self-healing topic each month. Um, and in within that self-healing topic, I call them master classes. I have multiple videos as well as a workbook PDF uh, so that you can go through that topic. Uh, so that you can continue to work on healing yourself, transforming yourself. You also have access to all of the other women in the community. You have access to being able to text with me, uh, you know, asking your questions, whatnot. And I also go live every month um, where we do a live Q&A. Uh, we also have a, a book club. Um, usually I try to do one book a quarter so that, you know, it's not kind of overwhelming, right? Because sometimes if it's like one book a month that we're going to read as a community, um, and discuss or whatever, especially when it's a self-healing book, it's like, wow, you know, I've got a lot of other stuff going on in my life. So I felt like once a quarter was probably a really good idea. And in the future as well, I'm going to have a lot of guests come on and, you know, present um, a certain kind of topic. We're going to have Jana Wilson uh, in 2024 uh, looking at the inner child. Um, I did a podcast episode with her in, I think it was November of 2023, and she wrote an incredible book. Um, but we're also going to be looking at, uh, you know, just continuously looking at a bunch of topics. So the Members Club is a subscription of $29 a month. And not only do you have access to that current month and the future months, but you also have access to the archives of all of the previous months and all of the previous videos and whatnot and the work that uh, we have been doing over the course of the last about year and a half. So please join us there if that is something that is of interest to you. Uh, you can find the link here in the show notes. You can also go to at create love freedom on Instagram and click on the link in my bio and click on members club and you can sign up there. Also, I have a free quiz available for you and also a course and the quiz 
really leads into the course. Um, you certainly don't have to take the course. I think that it is highly valuable, but it is the feminine reclaiming process. So on Instagram, I talk a lot. I certainly talk about it here on the podcast, but I talk a lot about the masculine and the feminine and these different kinds of levels of feminine energy. So whether or not you are your wounded or your distorted feminine, whether you've moved into your awakened feminine space or your divine feminine and how to move through either all of those levels or a few of those levels and really move into that divine feminine space. Um, again, I have put up the course on Mighty Networks. So again, it's an app. You can take it with you wherever you go and you have access to the Create Love Freedom community. I also do a live call there every month as well as um, you know, you are able to ask me your, you know, questions or talk with the other women who are there. Um, but if you go and take the free quiz, the feminine reclaiming process, like where are you in your feminine reclaiming process, you'll get an email sent directly to you after you take the quiz that tells you whether or not you are the divine, the awakened, the distorted or the wounded feminine. And then you can, um, you know, read through that, look at the wounds, look at the, the kinds of relationships, the kinds of men that you attract. Um, and then the next step is really taking the course and healing those spaces, those wounds, and really moving forward in your, your deep feminine core energy, uh, you know, moving through the wounded and the distorted into the awakened and the divine feminine. So again, those are all linked in the show notes, but you can also go to at create love freedom on Instagram and you can uh, click on the link in my bio and sign up there. Um, I love to hear from you. So if you would like to send me an email, my email is create love freedom at gmail.com. Um, and then also if you would prefer to just send me a direct message on Instagram, you can do so. If you have an idea of a podcast episode, something that you'd like me to research, um, please let me know. If you'd like to be a podcast guest, please let me know. Uh, and you know, we can definitely, uh, talk about that as well, because I love exploring these ideas with you and doing the research and bringing this to you. So I hope that this episode was helpful for you. Until next time.